right. Well, good morning, everybody. Hey, my name's Clayton. I'm senior pastor here. Thank you, Noah. Appreciate that. Hey, and I had a cricket while ago. It was not that bad, okay? So if any of you guys get one of those today, <clears throat> can't really breathe, but uh, it'll be all right. Uh, so well, hey, uh, today we're going to continue in our series on the, the Dirty Dozen as we've been looking at all 12 of the, the disciples uh, that Jesus had, and we are on week number 11. And we're going to look at a disciple today who had a question for Jesus. And, and if you're in any kind of relationship, um, there's always uh, questions that come up as you try to figure out what is this person saying, what are they like. And so we're going to watch a, a quick video uh, to begin the, the message today. Hi, everybody. It's Jeff Foxworthy, and I'm taking a break in filming. And as a guy that has been married to the same wonderful, incredibly attractive woman for the past 22 years, I said, sure, why not? Now, the segment is the top 10 questions husbands should never answer. Number 10, do I look like my mother? Zip it. Number nine, how old do you think I look? I don't know what the state laws are right now, but I'm thinking 18 is probably always a good answer. What are you thinking right now? Men are pretty much thinking the same thing all the time. <laughs> Number seven, do you think she's pretty? Guys, I think the appropriate answer to that is no, I think I'm gonna throw up right now. Number six, don't you think I'm worth it? Yeah, honey, four and a half years pay, you're worth it. We'll eat dirt, but you need that bracelet. Number five, how do you feel about our folks moving in with us? Good answer for that one is, how do you feel about me moving out? <laughs> Number four, whose cooking do you like better? Mine or my mother's? And before you answer this, realize you are going to have to eat for many years to come. And do you want to drive to your mom's house every night? Number three, if you could change one thing about me, what would it be? I can't think of anything. Why mess with perfection? Number two, do you remember what today is? You know, I've often said I don't have a tattoo, but if I did, it would be right next to my watch and it would say, your wife's birthday is August 2nd, your anniversary is September 18th, don't let Ron White borrow your car again. Just some things you need to remember. And number one, do you think these pants make my butt look fat? Guys, I don't care if she's knocking lamps off the table. There is one answer to this question. It's, honey, your butt is so small, I can barely see it in this light. Thank you, good luck, and God bless. Oh, man. Well, I've got some images in my head right now. Okay. Why do we ask questions? We ask questions in relationships because we're trying to figure people out. And so a wife may ask those questions of her husband because she's trying to figure out what is he thinking? Why is he doing the things that he is doing? We ask questions um, in the middle of relationships. It's just natural. It's a natural thing that we do. 
And the disciples were the same way. They had questions for Jesus. Imagine walking with Jesus and getting to see the things that, that he did and hear the things that he said. For the very first time, no one had ever heard those things or seen those things happen before. You would have questions too. And these guys had a lot of questions. And our 11th disciple today was a man who had a question for Jesus. And we're going to look at that. He was a man of obscurity. Um, he was a man that had actually many names. So it's kind of, it's kind of hard to understand who this guy is. But we're going we're gonna to call him this today. We're going to call him Thaddeus the Thinker. So you're taking notes today. Thaddeus the Thinker is uh, the title for today's message. So uh, the, the fourth um, century Bible scholar Jerome uh, called Thaddeus uh, Trinomius, which means the man with three names. So in Matthew chapter 10 and Mark chapter 3, he was called Thaddeus, um, or in the King James Version, it uses the term uh, Labaius. So that can be kind of confusing. And here's where it gets really weird. In Luke chapter 6 and Acts chapter 1, these are all the times where the disciples are listed. This guy is named Judas, the son of James. That's confusing because also in John 14, he's called Judas, not Iscariot. So there's two Judases, which is, man, that can get just kind of weird. And I love how John, which is going to be the passage in today in John 14, so you can go ahead and turn there. But in John 14, he says his name is Judas, not Iscariot. So John's written you know, way later, like in 90 AD. So all the disciples um, are, are gone except for, for John. Um, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are already written. They're already out there. He'd probably read them before. He's like, man, I need to clear this up because other people are thinking this is the, the Judas who betrayed Jesus. And so I want to make sure people understand that it's not. So he calls him Judas, not Iscariot. And so for us to not get him confused, we're going to call him Thaddeus today, which was actually one of his nicknames, and it means mama's boy. Okay, that's what Thaddeus means. Or it could mean that he had a gentle soul or a tender childlike heart. Um, we don't know. We don't know very much about this guy, but we know that he loved Jesus. We know that he, was, he followed Jesus. We know that he sat under Jesus' teachings just like a lot of us do, just like an ordinary, run-of-the-mill follower of Christ, someone who comes to church, someone who sits in the seat, someone who goes to small groups, someone who tries to read their Bible, just an ordinary follower of Christ. But there's one small portion of Scripture where, where Thaddeus shows up. It's in this John chapter 14 passage. But before we turn there, let me kind of give you the, the lay of the land here. So in John chapter 13 through 16, John is talking about and describing Jesus' words in, in the middle of the, the Passover meal. So they're in the upper room, and you have all the different things that are going on. Jesus teaching them. He begins by washing the disciples' feet. Judas uh, gets up and leaves to go betray Jesus. And then Jesus looks at Peter and says, hey, Peter, um, you're gonna about to de deny me three times. And then he begins to teach the, the disciples. And the disciples had lots of questions for Jesus, and then it gets really kind of crazy because Jesus begins to teach about the Holy Spirit. So look with me in John chapter 14, starting in verse 15. Here's what Jesus says. If you love me, obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him. Because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him, but you know him, because he lives with you now and will later be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. 
And soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you also will live. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. And those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them. And I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. So things are about to change. And Jesus knows this. And so he's trying to teach his disciples about it. But honestly, that kind of hurts my head. In fact, we were looking at this passage earlier this week with the other staff um, in, in the office, and we were using the ESV. And I was trying to read it with these guys, and man, it just it hurt my head to think of um, how this, 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 these phrases go with Jesus talking about what he just talked about. And so that's why we use the New Living Translation. It's a little bit easier um, to understand. But it, it was just, man, it, just, it was hard to, to grasp and understand. Have you ever heard of the medical condition called... Sphenopalatine ganglioneuralgia. Anybody? Anybody ever been to Sonic and got one of those slushies, those slush, and just drank it too fast? You get a brain freeze? That's what that is. Okay, that's what that is. Okay, so you can, you can be real smart and, and impress people. But if you get really like an ice cream headache and your brain just hurts. Like when I read this passage, I've been studying this week. It's, man, I just, I just, it's been hurting my head. I mean, what Jesus just said, honestly, does not make a lot of sense because he's actually talking about the Trinity. And we think about it, we don't know a whole lot about the Trinity. It's very confusing to us. But in the middle of this, Jesus gives us a promise, and it's our number one point for today. And the promise that he gives us is of a supernatural union. And the Trinity is all a part, a part of that. It's confusing. We don't understand it. We can't explain it. We can't describe it. So people ask us about it, and we're just like, I, we have, yeah, there's the Trinity, but we're just kind of confused about the Son, uh, the Father, and the Holy Spirit. How does that all work? Well, Augustine, who was a church theologian in about 400 AD, a long, long time ago, he wrote about this. And here's what he said. The, the quote's going to be up on the screen. He says this. He says, the triune God, Father and Son and Holy Spirit, they come to us while we are coming to them. So they, they come to us as we are coming to them, and kind of describes it. They come with help, we come with obedience. They come to enlighten, we to behold. They come to fill and we to contain, that our vision of them may not be external but inward, and their abiding in us may not be transitory but eternal. So wrap your minds around this. Jesus is saying that in this passage that he's about to go die, okay? Then he's going to be uh, raised uh, again. He's going to be raised up and after being in the grave. And then the Father is going to send the disciples an advocate or the Holy Spirit. That's in verses 16 and 17. But then in verse 18, Jesus says that he's going to be with the disciples as well. And then in verse 20, he says, not only that, but the Father is going to be with you as well. And I'm going to be with the Father. And we're all going to be together in this kind of weird kind of spiritual union that we have a hard time understanding. We got to realize the Trinity, it's not, it's not this one, some kind of separated type of three different gods or um, Three God system. What, he, what he's saying is that all the all, all of the, the Trinity is all together, and in some weird supernatural way, you are a part of that as well. And what the Bible describes that as is being in Him, being in Christ. Romans eight one says, "There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus." And as followers of Jesus, as Christians, if you're a Christian in this room, what that means is that you you are in Christ. That you're, 
You are in unity with him. You have a union with him. But it goes even further. The Bible says that not only are you in Christ, but it says that Christ is in you as well. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. This is this supernatural union. Every one of you have, have had kids or you, were, you did this when you were younger. You played with Play-Doh. Everybody know, remembers Play-Doh. Well, you know what happens when you take Play-Doh, the individual containers, and they have the different colors. They have like red and green and blue and the, the bright orange. They're my favorite, okay? And you take those, and you're, as a little kid, you're playing with them, and you're making shapes and stuff like that. But then you get kind of bored, and what do you do? You're like, I need more Play-Doh. I need to make something bigger. And so you take the different colors, and you smash them together. Now, all of you are like OCD, kind of like me. I'm like, ah, oh, no, don't do that. You know, don't, don't, don't mix them up. How are they ever going to go back into their original containers in their colors? And the reality is they never will. Once Play-Doh gets kind of meshed together, it turns this weird brown color, which is kind of weird. And uh, then you can make other shapes, which uh, anyways, okay. So, um, so you, you, you mix this together and you got to realize with Plato, you're never going to be able to separate that again. And that's kind of the same thing that Jesus is talking about. He's saying, hey, here's what's going to happen. The Trinity, we are one. You know what? You're going to be one with us as well. You're going to have this supernatural union that cannot be separated. That's confusing, okay? Now, really, Christianity is pretty simple. Christianity, real simple, have faith in Christ. Boom. Simple as that. Christianity is very simple, but sometimes it is confusing. And it's confusing because, number two, our union with Christ is a mystery. It's hard to understand. It's a, it's a mystery. Now, I love a good mystery. I listen to podcasts a lot, and sometimes I listen to those, like, murder mystery podcasts, you know, like the Forensic Files type stuff. You're like the who did it, you know, crime scene type stuff. I listen to those because I want to know, like, what was going on in that person's mind? Why did they do that? And how do they find them out? And I just, I'd want to try to figure it out even before the podcast or the show is over. I love a good mystery. And this really, Christ in us and us in Christ is a huge mystery. That's what the Bible even describes it. First, or Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, here's what he says. Paul says, To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery. Saying the Gentiles who didn't have Christ, okay, they didn't have this revelation. Now they're being grafted into the family of God. He's saying, he's saying how great it is that they have the riches of this mystery. And he says, what is that mystery? The mystery is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Something you can't explain. We can't explain it, but we're supposed to accept it. Because that's God's plan for us to be in Christ and Christ to be in us. And so that's what Jesus was teaching and Thaddeus, our disciple for today, he, he jumps into the middle of the story. And I don't know if he raised his hand or asked politely or just cut Jesus off. I don't know what he did. But he asks this question in John 14, verse 22. So back in our main passage today, here's what he says. John describes it as Judas, not Judas Iscariot, but the, the other disciple with that name, said to him, Lord, Why? Why are you going to reveal yourself only to us and not to the world at large? See, the disciples, they're confused. And they're trying to figure out what Jesus is saying because they've, they've heard Jesus say, hey, you're gonna, I, I'm the Savior of the world, okay, for everyone. And yet here he's saying, hey, only those who love me are going to, I'm going to reveal myself to them. 
And so Thaddeus is like, that doesn't compute. I don't understand what, what you're saying. And so he asked this question, Jesus, what in the world are you talking about? Now, I don't know about you all, but this week has been rough with all the heat. Am I right? Okay, it's been, it's been nuts. And I am from West Texas, and so we understand that heat back there, but we don't understand the humidity. And this humidity has been nuts, okay? I, I don't even want to go outside. I'm, like, dreading even walking from, my, from the office to the car. I mean, it's, it's been bad. I've been parking under the shade, trying to do everything I can um, to try to stay out of the heat. But with these glasses on, every time I go outside, what happens? The humidity, it just fogs up and you begin to just walk around, you're trying to see everything and it's just, it's just a mess. Remember when we had, used to wear masks and it would just fog up every time you breathe? I mean, that was my life for, for the, the, the last year. My, my glasses always fogging up. And I think that's what, kind of what Thaddeus is saying. He's saying, this is really foggy. Even more than that, Jesus, why, why are we gonna be able to see you but other people, it's gonna be foggy? When they look at you, they're not going to understand. They're not going to be able to see what we see and know what we know. And Jesus, he doesn't rebuke Thaddeus. He actually gives him an answer, which is a great uh, message for today. And here's what he says in the very next verse. John chapter 14, verse 23. Jesus replied. Something else gets a little confusing. All who love me will do what I say. My father will love them and we will come and make our home with each of them. Now, if you go back to the previous verses, the passage you just read about Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit, what he just said right there to answer Thaddeus is almost the exact same thing he said in verses 15 and verse 21. And so you have verse 15, he says the same thing. In verse 21, he says it again. Thaddeus asks his question in verse 22. In the immediate verse 23, he says the same thing pretty much again. So if God says the same thing three times in the same passage that seems like it should be pretty important. And we should understand what it's saying and live by it. So look what Jesus says. All who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them, and we will come and make our home with each of them. What he's saying is this, that if you love me and you do what I say, then the Father will love you, and we, the Trinity, will come and reside in you. We will make our home in you. And I believe that Jesus wants us to get this, this one main thing from this today. And it's this, that God becomes real to those who love him. And that's so true, isn't it? God becomes real to those who love him. To followers of Jesus, it just makes sense, doesn't it? Jesus makes sense. But the Bible talks about how people who are far from God, it doesn't make sense. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 says this, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For the lost, when they see Christians, they think about Jesus. Loving Jesus seems confusing and unnecessary. Why do Christians do what they do? They, they, it just doesn't make sense. Why would you go through the hoops that you go through? Why would you devote yourself to, to the thing that you're devoting yourself to? Why would you love Jesus? That just sounds kind of weird. But to a Christian, loving Jesus makes sense. We understand it. That's, the answers have been revealed to us through the Holy Spirit. And that's what Jesus is saying. God becomes real to those who love him. But how do you truly show that you love Jesus? You love him by obeying his commands. 
To honestly, truly love God, you've got to obey his commands. You can't fake it. You can't come to church, do church things, lift your hands in worship, and then go and live the rest of your week apart from God. It doesn't work that way. That is not genuine, true love. Now, this is not legalism here, okay? Legalism would, would say that, that, you know, you have to obey God um, if, if you want God to love you. Okay, you got to do these certain things if you want to be in God's family. Do these certain things for him to accept you. That's not what this passage is talking about. In fact, that's a, that's a terrible interpret, ter, interpretation of Scripture. What Jesus is saying is, is, I love you. Do you love me? And if you really, really, truly love me, then show it. Show it. Because talk is cheap. He wants us to, to back up our worship with our, our works, with our actions, and show our true love through actually obeying him. Now, probably all of us have pets. I, we have pets. Um, we love our dogs. And um, sometimes we don't love them a whole lot um, when they mess up, when they're disobedient. When we come home, and you guys know what this is like, you come home and they've chewed up something, like the, the, the stuffing of the pillow is everywhere, and they're looking at you like, look what I did today, just for you, waiting for you to come home, you know? Or they puke on the floor, or you let them outside and they, they tear up your, your flower beds. You're like, man, why are you being so disobedient, doing, doing the, the opposite of what I've, what I've asked you to do? But you know what? Actually, most pets are pretty obedient. That's kind of the definition of being a pet is an animal that is obedient to you. Why are animals that are pets, why are they obedient? The reason is, is because as you love them and show love to them and take care of them, then over time, they begin to love you back. And they show their love to you through obedience. And that's what it looks like to be a believer in Christ. As he loves us and we love him, then we show our love through our obedience. And it's not about being perfect. It's about our desire. Because we're going to mess up. We're just going to be disobedient. We're going to be like an animal, like a pet that's disobedient sometimes. Even today, all of us are probably at some point are going to be disobedient to the Lord. It's not about being perfect. It's about having that desire deep inside of you. John McCarthy, MacArthur calls it this inward longing for God, this deep love. And so if you really love God, you're going to obey him. Simple as that. And that's what Jesus was teaching in this passage. That was his answer to Thaddeus. And so this answer that, that Jesus gives Thaddeus is going to give us, as we close today, just four simple truths, four simple practices that we need to take away from today as we go from this place. And here they are. Love, obey, trust, and wait. It's as simple as that. God wants you and God wants me to love him, to obey him, to trust him, and sometimes we gotta wait. But the very first thing we need to do is we need to, to love him. You got to, you got to want God. And here's what's great about God. Every single person that wants Jesus gets Jesus, okay? Never in the history of humanity has someone wanted Jesus and asked Jesus to come into their heart and ask for forgiveness of their sins and asked Jesus to be the Lord of their life and Jesus said no. Doesn't happen that way. Everyone who wants Jesus, has a longing for Jesus, receives Jesus. And Jesus looks at Thaddeus and says, you know what, Thaddeus? The world, they won't see me. 
They won't, they won't understand about having a relationship with me because they don't want me. They don't want me. Their glasses are going to be foggy because they don't want me. And if we're going to really, really truly be believers in Christ and follow after Jesus, we, the first thing we got to do is we got to love him. We got this deep burning desire to love him. And the second thing we got to do is we got to obey. The problem is we run and chase after all sorts of things that we think are going to fulfill us and give us, give us desires, um, the desires of our heart. And that's kind of scary when we start chasing after the things we want in our heart, doesn't it? Isn't it? Scary. And all of us could come up on stage and talk about time after time of chasing after things that we thought were going to satisfy us, and they truly didn't satisfy us. And in the middle of that, we were being disobedient to God. And the way that we are obedient to God and show our true love to God is we read this. We read it. We understand it. And then we obey it. We do what the Bible tells us to do. Christianity is not about just loving God and then doing whatever we want. Christianity is about loving God and that love is so deep that the overflow of that love is obedience. We want to obey him. And that's what he's calling disciples to do. That's what he's telling Thaddeus to do. And finally, here's what Thaddeus had to do. He had to trust him and he had to wait. And honestly, that can be the hardest thing to do, isn't it? If you think about the story, Jesus is about to be arrested, and then he's going to be falsely accused and, and falsely convicted, and then he is going to hang on a cross within 24 hours of this story right here. Talk about confusion. Talk about um, a, a difficult time of going, do I really trust in what is going on right now? Because Jesus said all these things, and I'm just not really sure anymore. I'm not really sure anymore. And this happens. The disciples scatter. They're confused. They're frightened. And then Jesus rises from the grave. He shows himself to them, not just once, not just twice, but over the next several weeks, many, many, many times. So much that he was eating meals with, with the disciples. They got to, to be with Jesus and really see that he was risen from the grave. They had to trust him. And it took a long time. And so in the middle of trusting him, sometimes they had to wait. They even have to wait for the Holy Spirit to come. Jesus ascends up in heaven. They're like, what is going to happen now? Okay, we just got to trust in what Jesus just said. His track record is perfect, so I'm going to trust. I don't know what the future holds, but I'm going to trust. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit comes, and they go back and look and say, didn't he say that? What did he talk about that when we were in that room together and eating that last meal together? He told us what was going to happen. We need to trust him. We need to trust him. And that's what this is all about. The question is, will you trust God? We love him. We obey him. I look at Thaddeus, a guy we don't know a whole lot about. But as Jesus was teaching this incredible truth about this union with, with the, the, the Trinity, with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Thaddeus didn't understand. But Thaddeus said, you know what? I'm going to trust you. I'm going to love you. And I'm going to obey you. And that's what God is calling us to do as well. Let's pray. Lord, we, we just confess that we don't understand you a lot. Sometimes living the Christian life is confusion, confusing. Sometimes even from the outside looking in, Christianity is confusing. But sometimes, God, we put you in a box. We put you in this, this human box and try to, 
try to understand you in the middle of that. And that's not how it works, God. We have to understand that, that your ways are higher than our ways. And your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And if that is true, then in the middle of our confusion, we can still trust you. So God, we don't know the answers. We don't know the timing. We don't know why you're closing a door in our lives and why you're opening another door. We're not, under, un, we're not sure why you're saying no when we want the answer to be yes. We're not sure when you're, the answer is yes when we want it to be no. But God, your track record is perfect. You have never not followed through. You always follow through with your promises. And so God, you are a God that we can, can rely on you, we can trust you, even when we have to wait. So help us, God, to wait on your timing and the things you're calling us to do in, in our lives, just like the disciples had to wait. <clears throat> and God, most of all, we thank you that you love us so much that you want us to have this deep relationship with you. And it's a relationship that is so deep and intimate that you call it a union. Christ in us and us in Christ. We can't explain it. But you love us so much that that's what you want us to have. And the way we have it is through loving you and obeying you. So God, help us to do that. To not go through the motions as a church, to not go through the motions, as a family, not to go through the motions individually, not go through the motions of just coming to church and, and doing Christian things, but God, help us to have a deep burning desire, a real genuine burning love for you. And out of that love, God, because you loved us first, out of that love, help us to obey you. Help us to read your word, to love your word, to devour it, and then to do it. That's what it's all about. Thank you, God, for Thaddeus, for the question he had, and for the answer, Jesus, that you gave him. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.